welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. This morning, I uh, want to speak to you Uh, a little bit about uh, the Jews and the kingdom uh, that's coming uh, from the Lord Jesus. And so I'd like to read from Isaiah uh, chapter 2, and uh, it's the wonderful vision uh, that uh, God uh, has given to Isaiah about the last days. And he says, And it shall come to pass, In the latter days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it, and many people shall come and say, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Israel. And he will teach us of his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge between nations, and rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Of course, this uh, is a beautiful picture of the uh, millennial reign of which uh, we have many allusions uh, to it uh, in the prophets and uh, in the New Testament uh, both. And uh, when I was a child, of course, I was uh, born during the uh, last world war, so I've been here (laughs) quite a long time. And uh, uh, in those first years of my life, there was no such thing uh, as the nation of Israel. Well, let's put it this way. uh, As we see today, uh, the nation of Israel. And in my father's time, Uh, They were not called a nation of Israel, because they weren't a nation then. Uh, Not as we see them gathered as one people now. They were uh, still scattered largely all over the face of the earth. And at that particular time in my father's generation and his father's generation, they were known as the the wandering Jews uh, that had no... Uh, home, uh, as it were, uh, to speak of. And of course, uh, you know, uh, God has done uh, wonderful things uh, for the Jews. And as uh, predicted, uh, has uh, uh, brought them back. Now, of course, they're not all back. Uh, There's about... uh, Half of them uh, that have returned. I think it's about approximately between seven uh, and eight million uh, that have returned uh, to present. But uh, of course, uh, Jesus spoke about this in uh, Matthew chapter 4, sorry, chapter uh, 24 uh, and verse. Uh, 34, and he uh, expresses this phrase. He says, uh, 
that Jerusalem uh, would be trodden underfoot uh, of the Gentiles until uh, the age of the Gentiles was complete. And you know, we live at such an exciting time because uh, the age of the Gentiles being complete means that God uh, is going to instigate a new order, as it were, centered uh, through the Jews. And that is marvelous. So, you know, we can feel uh, a real sense of excitement as we feel that the age uh, is closer. Of course, uh, the story uh, of the Bible uh, and of the lives of the Jews, uh, particularly uh, from Abraham uh, to Jesus. We cast our minds back and it is approximately a period of 2,000 years until uh, the coming uh, of the Lord Jesus. Of course, uh, the fulfillment of all the prophecies and uh, the main reason even for the formation of the Jewish nation. And in that same chapter that Jesus is uh, talking about, and also in uh, Mark uh, chapter 11, that is uh, describing uh, Jesus uh, uh, coming uh, to the city and of his descent into the city. He had actually traveled uh, to uh, Bethany, the house of uh, Mary and Martha uh, be before uh, the Friday on the on the Thursday night and stayed Friday and Saturday, which was uh, the Sabbath. And of course, this is a week or so after the resurrection of Lazarus and just prior to him going to the cross. And of course, uh, on that, when the Sabbath had finished and the first day of the week began, at six o'clock in the evening, uh, they held a feast uh, in honor of Jesus in the home of uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And of course, uh, it was uh, close proximity uh, to Jerusalem. And uh, they had many friends there. They were very well-liked people, lovely people. Because they'd have to be lovely to be the close friends of the Lord Jesus. And of course, as they uh, participated uh, in the feast, it says many came from Jerusalem, not only to see Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised uh, from the dead. And this is the evening before Jesus' uh, uh, descent uh, into Jerusalem. And of course, uh, as he's coming, they're uh, coming to walk down uh, the western side of the slope of the Mount uh, of Olives, uh, facing uh, the Golden Gate. Uh, the disciples brought... Uh, a cult uh, for Jesus to sit on, and he is coming. Uh, on his descent, he stops, and he's lamenting, as it were, 
over the city of Jerusalem because he's looking at the terrible destruction that is coming. And as he's uh, on his descent, uh, the crowd, now it's an enormous crowd that were gathered. And they were gathered for the feast of the Passover, which was six days later, uh, beginning uh, what we call Monday, uh, Thursday. Well, that was the church expression for it. And that was the beginning of the Passover. So he's uh, six days early. And as and on his descent, he is lamenting. Well, he said, would that you had known Jerusalem at the time of your visitation uh, and the things that belong uh, to your future. You see, and the Pharisees were shouting because the people were saying, Hosanna! Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed uh, is the king who comes uh, in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees said, do you hear what they are saying? Tell your disciples to be quiet. As I was saying, there's an enormous multitude in Jerusalem uh, for the Feast of the Passover. It was the most popular of the feasts in Israel and most families. And we're talking not about the ten tribes, but the tribes that returned were the tribe of Judah that had returned from the Babylonian uh, captivity. And this is some 400 years later. But Daniel, the prophet Daniel... Uh, had prophesied of this day. Well, of course, he received the message uh, from the angel Gabriel uh, about this very day. And he said that it would be 69 weeks, you see. And this 69-week period was announced from the uh, 20th reign of our Texas Longomanius, who was the ruler at that time of the Babylonian uh, captivity. And he made a proclamation for the rebuilding of the city under uh, Nehemiah and gave the time... Uh, to Daniel uh, and saying that the city would be rebuilt uh, and uh, with a rampart which is like uh, fortification and uh, like a moat. And he said, you know, given the time, the 69 weeks of prophetic years and when it was uh, counted that it was uh, 73,880 days to this very day when the king is descending on the slope of the Mount of Olivet. And you see, he said, he's saying as he's lamenting over Jerusalem, only, he said, if you had known uh, the day of your vis visitation, because the angel said that after this period of time would be the cutting off of the Messiah Prince. So, you see, they could have known when Messiah uh, was to arrive in Israel, but you see, the leaders of the Jews... The uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees 
refused to read uh, the book of Daniel. And this is partly the sorrow in the heart of Jesus that they could have known the time of their visitation and should have responded correctly to the visitation of the Lord Jesus. They had a choice, but they made the wrong choice. They had the choice to welcome Jesus as the king and to put him on the throne, but they made the wrong choice. They knew that the credentials of Jesus were absolutely perfect. The miracles of Jesus, no man since creation had ever performed the volume of miracles that the Lord Jesus performed during the days of his earthly ministry. And you, which we often forget, and I forget. We need to remember that the public ministry of the Lord Jesus was a mere three and a half years. Imagine that. Uh, the, the, the dynamic of the visitation to this earth of the Son of God was so powerful and made such a wonderful impression. Three and a half years of public life that shook the world. But what he's saying is, he's saying to them, is if only you knew, you see, that it was my visitation as the Son of God And the crowd were delighted. They wanted to make him king. But the Pharisees said, you be quiet. Why don't you tell his disciples to be quiet? And Jesus said, he said, if they were quiet, he said, even the very stones that would cry out, I wish they'd kept quiet. (laughs) I would have loved to have heard the stones crying out, hallelujah, hosanna, that of the highest open one in the eye for the Pharisees. (laughs) But you see, they had the choice. They had the choice either to welcome him and receive him uh, as king or to crucify him and to reject him. And they chose the latter. And Jesus, of course, knew what their choice would be, partly because of willful ignorance of the future and the antipathy at the perfection of Jesus. I mean... Even in that last week, he healed a man born, eh, blind from birth. And another fellow sitting at the pool of Bethesda said to him, would you like to be well? And he was made well. The fantastic miracles. Just previously, he had called Lazarus eh, from the dead. On the fourth day, he was in the tomb and the body already to beginning to decompose. And they added this sin to all their sins that they crucified God's Messiah and this sin as well. And that they could have known had they Take a notice of the words of the prophet uh, Daniel, but they chose to ignore it. And 
You know, that was, of course, 40 years later, that was fulfilled when through their sedition, they provoked the Romans uh, into dealing with them. And, you know, they, the Romans uh, conquered uh, Jerusalem after three years, of course. And, of course, that was a shame <laughs> uh, for the Romans to be held out of Jerusalem for three years and the rumor went through the Roman Empire. And that's why they were so angry when they finally broke into the city. And the only way they could get in was they fired uh, torches, huge torches soaked with oil uh, under the arches, which was the weakest point, the arches over the gates. And uh, because of the heat, those arches cracked and the walls split. And they were able to storm the city, put to death three quarters of a million Jews, and scattered another half million. Uh, eventually, to every nation uh, under the sun. And of course, too, there were wonderful things happened. It wasn't all sad. Uh, the birth of the church uh, took place uh, after the resurrection of Jesus and the Holy Spirit came upon the church. You see, and, and Jesus had given the disciples a command he said, you know, take the gospel and go to the uttermost parts of the earth and preach it there. Well, of course, uh, Jews are always marvelous colonialists and uh, made great citizens for the colonies that Rome had established. And so they, you know, they'd formed communities there with the synagogue. And the disciples listening to this weren't thinking of the Gentiles. Oh, no such thing. They thought they were going to the known world that was the Roman world, went as far as the Caucasus Mountains and all around uh, the Mediterranean Sea largely. Of course, uh, shortly after that, they were going to conquer France and then come on to Britain, but that was not known at that time. And so... Uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit came upon the church. And you know, this is an amazing thing. The church is an amazing thing. Because none of the prophets from, even from Abraham uh, down to Jesus, none of the prophets predicted an enormous church age. It was, it was hidden, of course. Isaiah does express uh, the sentiment about the Savior, and it says, uh, uh, to him uh, shall the Gentiles flock, as it were. But it's not clear. There is no clear indication, <coughs> excuse me, of the magnitude of the age uh, of the Gentiles. As Jesus said, and as I mentioned in the beginning, that Jerusalem would be trodden underfoot of the Gentiles until the age of the Gentiles was fulfilled. And you see, the apostles too. The apostles had no revelation as to the magnitude of the Gentile church of which we are part. It was hidden. The apostle Paul, even as the apostle to the Gentiles, he thought, like the rest of the apostles, 
that Jesus would return perhaps within a hundred years of their lifetime. And it was completely hidden. That's just amazing. It was hidden from the prophets. It was hidden from the apostles. But it wasn't hidden there from the Lord. Hey, hallelujah. And when we think, uh, brothers and sisters, after the death and resurrection of Jesus and the wonderful day of Pentecost, which was the, as it were, the inauguration or the birth of the church age, first two-thirds, you could say, or thousands of Jews uh, in, the, in the early uh, church, the, the first century church, but by, thank you, by the end of that century, change will come. We better keep this on you. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Boy, you don't go from rags to riches immediately. <laughs> <laughs> now, where was I? <laughs> so... And then, of course, uh, the Gentiles uh, began to come into the church. Some of the people who were scattered on the persecution of Stephen went to Cyprus and preached there and began to preach to the Gentiles. And Gentiles began to get saved. And then they crossed over to Antioch. And Antioch was the first uh, of the Gentile churches and grew into a mighty church, a powerful church. Uh, some hundred miles north uh, of Jerusalem uh, at the, uh, on the coast of Asia Minor. And so the Gentile church uh, began. And of course, uh, isn't it amazing that this was hidden? Hidden to all the prophets. Hidden to all the apostles. And yet God has been so good to us from Abraham to Jesus 2,000 years. From Pentecost to now, 2,000 years of the ingathering, of the church, of the Gentiles. We are not Jews. We don't take their place and they don't take ours. The middle wall of partition has been broken down, although... Uh, the Jews, of course, unfortunately, uh, were not, uh, how can you put it, they were not privileged to receive uh, that light and have suffered terribly uh, through the generations and yet have remained as Jews. Of course, we are coming uh, to the close of the age, you see. And the Apostle Paul uh, explains this uh, very well in Romans uh, chapter 11 and verse 25. And he's saying, I don't want you, brethren, that, that you should be un uninformed of this mystery, lest you should be conceited. But he says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness or the full number of the Gentiles has come in. What a wonderful statement. Blindness in part has happened to Israel. He says they are enemies, he said, as it were, against you. The time may be provided for the building of the Gentile church, you see. And then he says, until the fullness of the Gentiles, in other words, the full number of the Gentiles, has come in. And in the same breath he says, he says, and so all Israel will be saved. And what is he saying? He's talking about the inauguration of the new age 
that will usher in a new age for, for the Jews <laughs> and a new age for us. Although I don't think in the beginning they're together. All Israel will be saved. So what we see is when the last Gentile has come in, the age is closed. Now it's really uh, amazing. Now I want us to think for a moment. When Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 34 that Jerusalem will be in the hands of the Gentiles until the age of the Gentiles is fulfilled. The age of the Gentiles does not mean the fullness of the Gentiles. The age of the Gentiles is speaking of a political dominance that would remain through time and has remained through time uh, right to this very present moment. Because in 1967, when the Jews conquered again uh, the city of Jerusalem and took it back, for the first time, it was in Jewish hands uh, and, well, we could say roughly 2,000 years. What a great celebration that was for the Jews. And while they took back control of it physically, uh, it is still uh, uh, Gentile uh, interference. It's still there. What they did was they allowed the Jordanian police uh, to run the Temple Mount. When uh, the King of Jordan controlled it prior to this, and no Christian and no Jew was allowed to go head of the Western Wall, head to worship his God there was totally forbidden. And so it was a great celebration. What we see there is that the, the age of the Gentiles politically is beginning to close. We see influence, the Gentile influence, even uh, in the previous year, Donald Trump came and moved the embassy, the United States embassy, to Jerusalem, which shows Gentile influence. And they were rejoicing because of this event. It was very, uh, how could you say, a morale booster uh, for the Jewish uh, nation. We see the interference from the Gentiles, even though it's back. You see that the, uh, the age of the Gentiles politically has not ceased because the United Nations, I think, every other day have a discussion about Israel. Uh, of course, it's not in a very nice tone. <laughs> it was rather amazing because they had sanctioned uh, the birth of the state of Israel. It was sanctioned by the United Nations in 1947, and they've been against it ever since. You know, I think it was the biggest mistake uh, in their minds uh, that they ever made, but God makes no mistakes. He makes no mistakes. But when we come down here, and the Apostle Paul saying, blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles. So we see that there is a difference between the fullness of the Gentiles and the age of the Gentiles. It was also prophesied unusually by Noah. I think it's uh, Genesis chapter 9. And remember that Noah had begun to grow grapes and had made wine and drank too much probably the first time he drunk any. And uh, that unfortunate incident happened where uh, he was uncovered and uh, his sons uh, 
carried a cloth and walked backwards and covered him. And he said then, talking about the future of the nations and uh, how they uh, would be scattered. And even then Noah said, uh, Japheth. Now, when you follow the genealogy through from Japheth, we see that Japheth went uh, uh, to... uh, to Asia Minor and to Greece and they were the people from which the Gentile nations came and Noah said which is absolutely amazing he said and Japheth he said shall dwell in the tents of Shem all that time ago absolutely amazing I'll see if I can get chapter 9 there quickly because there's something else uh, here too, I thought was very interesting. You see, and how history uh, has uh, complemented what uh, Noah said, and uh, it has worked out to be true. Also, in chapter 8, there's something now uh, for you people that belong to the Green Party. <laughs> He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. So we don't need to be worrying too much uh, about the climate. According to Noah, things are going to remain uh, pretty much the same. Now I know time's running on, so I better get get down to brass tacks here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the Gentile age in contrast to the age of the Jews beloved it has been a silent age since the receiving of the Holy Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit great to hear you going seeking for that this coming weekend I wish I was there praise the Lord Uh, That's wonderful. But you see, it has been an age of silence. Now, I don't mean silence in regard to you as individuals coming to faith. It is very vibrant. What is happening is we we are saved individually. We are washed individually. We are born into the kingdom individually. We are welcomed individually. Our names are written individually. And our lambs, their book of life. But you see, what a contrast. We've now 2,000 years of church history. There has been no demonstration of the mighty power of God, as it were, like things that happened for the Jews. I mean, uh, at the birth of the nation, there was fire on Mount Sinai, and the trumpet sounded, and the giving of the Lord, and there was so much to be seen. And the manner that God supplied them, I mean, I was thinking of the immensity of this, you know, Uh, A day in the ministry of Moses, you know. Like if we had to try and repeat that. You know, we went down to, there's a bakery there in Carrigaline and went in and said, well, there's no manna tomorrow, so uh, I want to order 600,000 sliced pan. (laughs) And I want it ready for six o'clock in the morning, you know. And as well as that, I want 600,000 chickens so we're going to have sandwiches with the bread because that's our normal ration, you know. And uh, as well as that, please, uh, you know, about uh, two million uh, four-litre bottles of water because the people would like to drink and would like to wash. Can you imagine... uh, The management, uh, when you would leave in an order like that, when you think that for Moses there were two million people under his care and God brought manna 
in the Sinai Desert and it lay all around and they could gather as much uh, as they needed. Uh, and, you know, Moses had to go to the rock. Of course, on this occasion in Numbers chapter 20, he was disobedient. God said, go and speak to the rock and it will give forth of its water. Now, the people had been chiding Moses because they'd had to wait for the, mo- wait for the water. And Moses got cross and he took the staff as was commanded and he struck the rock twice and the water gushed out. And God said to Moses afterwards, you will not take the people into the promised land because you disobeyed my command. What happened? He was told to speak to the rock. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, It says, uh, they were all baptized uh, into Moses. They were followers of Moses. And it says that spiritual rock that followed them was Christ and gave them water. By miracle, Jesus traveled with them, not in the appearance of Jesus. But wherever they stopped in the wilderness, this rock was there. Moses was told to speak to the rock and it would give forth of his waters. Beloved, we don't need to strike the rock. You see, he marred the image because he added, as it were, the appearance of works to receive salvation or anything else from the Lord Jesus. Let me say to you, beloved, that same rock is with us. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We don't need to strive. You know, we only need to speak to Jesus. He's listening and he's waiting for the opportunity to work with us and for us uh, and to meet our needs. You know, bring your problems to Jesus. Spread them out before the Lord Jesus. They will melt in the light of the heat uh, of his uh, wonderful presence. But what an immense ministry. And so on. We could go for miracle. But you see, there's been nothing of a, a demonstration. It has been an age of silence. And of course, here we see a new age mentioned. So all Israel will be saved, he's saying here in Romans chapter 11, the inauguration of a new age for the Jews. Now we're very close to it. Uh, We can expect the return of the Lord Jesus at any time. Uh, Because, you know, I, I think... Well, we live in an age that nobody else lived in because the Jews are back, you see. And Jesus said that the age couldn't close until they were back, and they're back. And they've been back now about 73 years since the proclamation of the state of Israel. Absolutely wonderful. So we see as the Gentile church what no other Gentile church has seen, that Israel is back in the land and are vibrant. They're in the news almost every day. The enormous planes fly all the main routes of the world, El Al, emblazoned with the flag of Israel. They are back because God said they would be back. Hallelujah. And there's 2,000 years. The silence is about to be broken, beloved, 2,000 years. See, we've had the journey by faith. Everything for Israel in the Old Testament was physical. They could see it. They had prophets. They had temple. They had a land. They had a place to go and worship. We had nothing, you know. Everything was spiritual 
for the Christian and for the Gentile church. But of course, you see, I believe the next event for this to take place, for Israel to be saved, is the close of the Gentile age. Now, I want to say something to you now, and I'd better be closing. My time is going. Uh, But, you know, in the Old Testament, down through the centuries, when they looked at the coming of the Messiah, they linked the two events together. You know, the first advent and the second advent. The second advent, I believe, is coming in the air for the church. But what they did was they put all the prophecies on the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and his governorship of the nation of Israel. They put it all in the one basket, as it were. And we know that there's at least 2,000 years that have elapsed before he's coming to sit on the throne in Jerusalem. You see, and because they read it all as one, they made a mistake in the coming of the Lord Jesus. Many things they had right, but he didn't uh, sit on the throne. That is still to be fulfilled. And he did not become, as it were, the leader of the nation of Israel. That didn't happen either. So there were certain things that were not fulfilled in the first advent of Jesus and will be fulfilled in the second advent. And we are rather the same, you know, and therefore we can't be dogmatic. Well, that's my own humble opinion, beloved. We see that Jesus is saying, and I thought it was so lovely that Andrew read it for us this morning, The disciples were there. Jesus ascended into heaven from the top of the Mount of Olives. And the angels, as they were standing looking and Jesus disappeared, said, in the same way that Jesus has gone, in the same way he will come again, and his feet shall stand here on the top of the Mount of Olives. And then we find that there's another, another appearance that's described in the book of Revelation. I believe it's the end of the age. When it says, He shall appear and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They're because of him and mourn for him as an only son, you know. And even those who pierced him are going to be there. They're to witness it. So that's a different appearance uh, of Jesus in the future. We have the beam of seat judgment in Second Corinthians chapter 5. He says, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the beam of seat uh, judgment. And we see the Lord Jesus also uh, in Zechariah chapter 12 and the uh, terrible... Uh, terrible destruction of Jerusalem again and two-thirds of them dying and then the Lord appeared he said uh, he's coming to fight against those nations who are intending to destroy Jerusalem and his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives so we have uh, four perhaps more descriptions uh, of Jesus Uh, in the future. So we can't be dogmatic, friends. All I see is the close of this age. Now, the inauguration of the new age for the Jew can't take place without the closing of this age of grace as we know it. And as far as I see in 1 Thessalonians 4, that's the close of the age of grace. Because it's our age. It's unique to us. We the believers are the only people who are going to be caught up and the world will go on to its awful doom. I want to be amongst that number. Hallelujah! 
Oh, my heart quickens. Tomorrow, Lord Jesus, won the dinner today. <laughs> Wilma's cooked a lovely roast. I'll just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's coming and he's coming for us. And I believe them uh, almost in the same breath, it says. And that day, all Israel will be saved. It will be the inauguration of the new age. As we read in Isaiah chapter 2, Jerusalem shall be established in the top of the mountains. Going to be wonderful miracles there. The topography of Jerusalem is going to change. The mountains are going to sink. And his palace and uh, his throne and his temple are going to be there. The administration to the world is going to take place. It's not revealed what role we are going to play uh, or how we will relate to Israel is not revealed, but what is revealed is that we are going, and that our names are written there. Hallelujah! And we have a great future to look forward to. And I'm so excited uh, about it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's stand, shall we, and we'll pray. Thank you. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for revelation. God, we don't see everything. We don't know everything. But Lord, we know enough. God, you've given us enough revelation that satisfies our experience, God. And we see you working beautifully for today. And God, we see a great future. We can't put it all together. But God, we know it's there. Thank you for counting us in. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.